Biden uses MLK Day to make another historic gaffe. A new Rasmussen poll shows that a majority of Democrats support fine and fines and even jail time for those who refuse to get vaccinated. Doctors are now being faced with psychiatric evaluations for using alternative treatment methods in their offices. And we'll have a nurse joining us to share her thoughts on last week's SCOTUS ruling and what is really going on in our hospitals. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining. We have a jam-packed show full of COVID news. And we also have, on top of the nurse joining us, we have a concerned parent. We read an email last week on our show about how this child is being told they have to wear their face mask if it goes below their nose, they're getting in trouble. Kids cannot drink water unless they they step out of the classroom to do so. So we're going to be having that parent on as well to talk about the straight up insanity that these children, these nurses, that the average everyday American citizen is living through. So welcome back. Thank you again for tuning in. Please remember that you can always find this show on Rumble or Odyssey. We are trying to grow those two channels right now. So that way you guys can always find the show in case it gets deleted on YouTube, as did the first show of 2022. So please go subscribe on Rumble. The link is down below, or you can type in Sav says no spaces between that S-A-V-S-A-Y-S on Rumble go subscribe there go to odyssey also remember you can find the show on podcast please leave a five-star review if you do like the show it helps us grow in the charts now let's go ahead and jump straight into the news here we're going to start off with joe biden a little bit okay now apparently joe biden only held one white house presser for the duration of his presidency we have now seen the beginning of 2022. We're a good month in. The second year of Joe Biden's presidency has begun, unfortunately for us. And uh, per the New York Post, Biden is going to be holding only his second White House presser to kick off again his second year in office. President Biden will come out of hiding and meet the press for just his second solo White House news conference next week as he begins his second full year in office amid a series of political setbacks. And of course, in this article, they really lay out all of the horrendous things Joe Biden has done for this country, whether that is his response and COVID policies, whether that's the economy, the supply chain, the open borders. They really lay out how he is slouching in support in the polls, highest inflation in 40 years. How everyone thinks he's basically a gigantic failure. His Build Back Better plan completely failed. He tried to push through election reform legislation. That has failed. So Joe Biden is just... Failures on failures lately, which is why we don't often see him doing his own press conferences, which is why we're only seeing the second one being done this far into his presidency. Second presser for the second year, kicking off the Biden administration. And as we all know, he is doing a horrendous job leading this entire country. Now, Joe Biden, of course, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And Joe Biden had to make comments regarding this day. And this is probably one of his most historic gaffes. This is probably one of the worst things that he has said. I don't know if worst, but potentially top 10. Listen to Joe Biden's take on MLK Day. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's Mm -hmm. death did. 
Wow. So happy MLK Day from the Biden administration. Apparently, MLK did not leave behind the legacy that fentanyl OD victim George Floyd did. Okay. So that's where we're currently at in society. That clip has a million views across platforms or on Twitter, at least across platforms. It probably has way more than that because Many people commentating on this historic day, this historic man, uh, you know, who he was, what he stood for. And for Joe Biden to come in and try to make a comparison of MLK to George Floyd, uh, many people calling out as just horrendous. I'm not surprised in the least. Would we expect anything less from Joe Biden? Absolutely not. Now, what is our media saying about this day? From Salon, they come out with this headline reading, once again, Republicans will try to claim MLK, but if he were here, they despise him. And then Breitbart reporter Alana Mastrangelo says, excuse me, leftists literally advocate for racial segregation in schools, Black-only dorms, graduations, etc., and curriculum that teaches students to judge others by the color of their skin. So basically the complete opposite of what MLK stood for. But of course, our media having to come out and say that uh, Republicans are trying to claim MLK, that Republicans in the right are trying to constantly talk about uh, racial unity as opposed to division. But MLK would never, ever be on the side of the right because, you know, we're all Nazi racists, apparently. Now, I wanted to highlight the two Americas that we're currently living in because, for example, in Democrat-run Georgia, This came out today. Black women in Georgia to receive $850 a month in guaranteed income to fight racial wealth gap. So in Democrat-run Georgia, the government is making Black women more dependent on government via guaranteed income every single month. But in Republican-led Virginia, we are celebrating Winston Sears, who is the first Black woman to serve as lieutenant governor of Virginia. Now, when I saw these two stories, because, uh, you know, both of these things came out today, I realized that you have to choose which America you want to live in, because as we are seeing with these two examples, you have a successful Black woman who is praised by Republicans, praised by the right. Not even that, but a just a successful Black woman in America doing what she wants to do. She is an immigrant herself living the American dream. Or you can be a minority who is dependent on the government and living off of this universal basic income that they're trying to push on you and, again, become more dependent on the government. So those are the two Americas we're currently living in. And um, I wanted to highlight that in honor of MLK Day and all of, of course, the media trying to come out and talk about the racial divide and how MLK would never stand for blah, 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 whatever nowadays. So there you guys go. Happy MLK Day. Uh, Many interesting stories about MLK have come out, like with his ties to the CIA as well um, and the FBI. I think it was today someone posted on Twitter. I saw that the FBI had sent a letter to MLK basically telling him to commit suicide uh, because if not, they were going to run a smear campaign on him. And it just reminded me like, wow, our intelligence agencies really have not changed. Anyway, that news aside, let's jump into some COVID nonsense because what is going on, guys? I'll tell you what's going on. Apparently, a new Rasmussen poll came out. <coughs> 29% of Democrats support taking your kids if you refuse to take the vaccine. 
59% of Democrats support you being put on house arrest if you refuse the jab. And 48% of Democrats say you should be jailed if you question the vaccine online. And this is a new Rasmussen poll. And the headline of this is COVID-19 Democratic voters support harsh measures against the unvaccinated. So just to reiterate, 29% of Democrat voters supporting removing your child from your custody if you refuse to take the COVID-19 vaccine. And remember that we've already seen cases of this where judges are working on these cases. Parents are split up. Maybe the mom's vaccinated, the dad's not. And then the judge says, okay, well, this father's not vaccinated. Maybe we don't let him have any custody of his child. So that's something that we've already been seeing for a while now. And it's baffling that the numbers are this high. Not really so much baffling as, you know, thinking like the left thinks this way, but baffling as in we are supposed to be living in one of the most free countries in the world. And this is what the average voter thinks about you if you have the audacity to want medical autonomy over your own body. Now, what else is going on? I've constantly talking about the war against the unvaccinated and how they're treated as less than as basically citizens who are not allowed to be a part of normal society. I was reading this article today and it just broke my heart from the Miami Herald. It says, doctor loses license, must have a psych evaluation for COVID falsehoods, board says. So a doctor with decades of experience can't practice medicine after her license was temporarily suspended over complaints that she shared coronavirus misinformation, according to a main licensing board. The board has ordered her to undergo a neuropsychological evaluation. And she goes on to say her name is Dr. Uh, Meryl Nass, who got a license to practice medicine in Maine in 1997, had her license immediately suspended for 30 days after a board investigation and review of complaints against her on January 12th. So basically, this is a doctor who was trying to prescribe ivermectin. And now this board is forcing her to undergo a a psych evaluation. And they're taking away her license. So this is where we're currently at in society. And more importantly, we talked about last week how SCOTUS had ruled against Joe Biden's OSHA mandate, barring different businesses from forcing their employees to get vaccinated if they have over 100 employees. Unfortunately, healthcare workers were not exempt from that. So I wanted to bring on an actual nurse, a frontline worker, the same people who were being hailed as heroes last year that are now being demonized this year and not allowed to make their own medical decisions. Now, this nurse is going to remain anonymous because, of course, if you want to talk about the truth in the modern day, you will face severe repercussion. We saw that with Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough. These were two credible doctors who did their own research regarding early treatments for COVID and what happened to them. They had their careers ruined. They had their reputations completely slandered. So we're bringing on a nurse today to talk about uh, her experience, um, you know, being a nurse in a hospital during the entire pandemic, and more importantly, her take on the Supreme Court locking this mandate for everybody except for healthcare workers. So, Nurse S., thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Talk to us today about your thoughts on the Supreme Court's uh, mandate for healthcare workers. Hey, Savannah, thanks for having me. Um, So, honestly, I mean, I wasn't surprised, but, like, at the same time, I was 
like you said, just last year, people were deeming nurses and like frontline workers to be healthcare heroes. And now we are um, basically being thrown under the bus is what it feels like. Um, I just find it kind of ironic that Throughout nursing school and as a nurse, we're told to constantly advocate for our patients and our patients' families and, you know, help guide them into the you know, making the right decision for them and, you know, letting them be in control of their health care. But now we're having those rights stripped away from us. We're not being allowed that decision. I mean, luckily for some of us, there are organizations that are allowing certain exemptions, whether it be, you know, religious or medical, but Mm -hmm. I've seen and heard from other nurses, like in other places where they're not even being given that choice. If you're not vaccinated, you're done, you're fired. You can't work for them anymore, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we should have that right. Just like any other person should. We're people too, you know? 100%. And it's ridiculous that you guys were on the front lines. Like we just talked about, you guys were hailed as heroes. It was, you know, so many billboards of how nurses are the best of the best in society. And now we skip to 2022. You guys are being demonized. I'm sure you saw the videos last year of nurses who were walking out of the hospitals they spent years of their lives at because they were unvaccinated, because they wanted to have medical freedom and freedom of choice here. Um, So I wanted to ask you as well, how are unvaccinated nurses being treated. You talked about being subjected to weekly testing. Talk to us about that process, your thoughts about being subjected to that, and then what unvaccinated nurses are experiencing and going through at at the hospitals. Sure. So um, luckily for me, I was able to get an exemption. I am not vaccinated and I absolutely 100% stand by my choice. It's my choice, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, I have to go get tested every single week and I have to show, you know, papers. I send it in each week to the hospital and to my manager showing that I'm negative for COVID. Um, And then if there is like the off chance that I so happen to test positive for COVID, I have to take time off from work. I believe it's like 14 days from the time that I test positive or from the time that my symptoms started unpaid. I have to take my own paid time off for that. Um... And so, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, I understand the precautions, you know, whatever, but like, people who are vaccinated carry COVID too. You know, they try to treat it like just because we're unvaccinated, we are the only ones that can carry COVID. Here, Mm -hmm. you see COVID, people who have tested positive for COVID that are healthcare workers that are being allowed to work. Just where you're in 95, they say it'll be fine. You can come back. Like, What's the difference? They can still spread it. They can still catch it. There's no difference between being vaccinated and being unvaccinated. The biggest difference being, as I'm seeing, is that for some, it just makes the symptoms less severe. But for some, it doesn't, you know, like it's kind of like a 50-50 chance that you have to be willing to take with that. Right. And I wanted to talk about this, too, because we have seen in the media a lot that hospitals are short staffed. You guys are overrun. And many people are asking the question, are you short staffed because there's so many COVID patients coming in? Are you short staffed because of this vaccine mandate? Like what is going on in our hospitals? What's like the reality? I think that a lot of it is that people are short-staffed because they're unhappy. They're unhappy with the working conditions that people are being forced to work under. Um, I mean, I've seen people having to take 10 patients to a nurse. You know, that's absolutely Mm -hmm. unsafe. Um, It should be no more than five to one patients per nurse. And 
Um, so like unsafe staffing ratios you're seeing, um, just being overworked, like people constantly, um, like floors, just not having enough staff for the night, whether it be like the nursing assistants, the nurses, the techs, whatever it may be. Um, but all in all, I think it's just honestly the working conditions. People are unhappy with the conditions that they're having to work under. And for a lot of people, yeah, the mandate is something that is like a no brainer for them. It's not something that they want to have to do for their job. Like, Right, right. And that's just so disappointing as well. And you and I were talking a little bit too about federal workers coming to the hospitals because you're in a hospital in New Mexico. Um, talk to yes. us a little bit about like federal workers coming in and a little bit of that difference because I've even seen on Twitter as well where if you're a traveling nurse, you don't have to be vaccinated and then you can go and travel yeah. to another hospital. But yeah. if you, like you said, if you're a nurse at your hospital, but you're unvaccinated, then you get completely different treatment. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So like I'm a staff nurse. I have my, you know, base rate. I don't, and we are seeing like these federal workers that are coming in, which for some, it's a lot of help. Like in those floors where they're short staffed, they help with like passing meds, turning patients, getting patients up to the restroom, like doing a lot of the like CNA work. Um, but these people are making probably triple our wages. I've talked to a couple of federal people um, one was just like an EMT and mm -hmm. he was making $125 an hour to just basically walk around the hospital and give people their medicine and um, check on them, roll them, help them yeah. go to the bathroom. I'm like, if, sure, absolutely. I'd make $125 to go make sure that people are getting to the restroom safely. And then like even the travelers. And I think that's something also that's really getting to like staff nurses and plays into the shortage um, that we're seeing is that travelers are coming and making eight grand a week. And some nurses don't even see that in a month, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just like really frustrating that we talk about, oh, we're going through these hardships, our hospital, like we need help, this, this, that, but they're not even willing to pay their staff nurses um, enough to want them to stay or giving them the conditions to want to stay in. So it, it's just unfortunate to see and to work with. 100%. And so that's my confusion is why are they bringing in these traveling nurses? Are those the federal workers or is there a differentiation? Between so we have them? both. So we have travelers okay. that like book through certain agencies and mm -hmm. the agencies like get them the job here and then they stay for like six weeks or X amount of weeks that's in their contract and then they get to go somewhere else. But that's like the thing with them also is they write their own contract. They put like how often they want to work, how much they want to get paid how many patients they want to be taking, how many patients they will not be taking, what kind of patients they want to be taking. Mm -hmm. um, and they do work more. They have to work like five days a week, but still five days a week, eight grand compared to what the staff nurses are making. It doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. And then something that I was actually told recently by another nurse um, is that the federal workers they, I believe, are being paid like through, I don't know if it's like grants or whatever, but it's some sort of federal funding. So basically, some of the hospitals that are having federal workers come in are getting free labor. These federal workers are getting paid by the government through these grants or whatever it is that the hospital is getting, and they are getting free labor, which means that the hospital gets more money in their pocket. Wow. So the yes. nurses are being mistreated at the hospitals that you guys are at. You can't even make the decision on whether or not you want to get vaccinated 
essentially, or, you know, be subjected to weekly testing. And then on top of that, you also have the added layer of having these federal workers coming in and these traveling nurses coming in that are being paid more than you are. That's baffling to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mass amounts more. It, Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I wanted to talk to you too, because uh, I mean, obviously you see the way that society is towards the unvaccinated. As a nurse who's unvaccinated, uh, how do you feel your work experience has been since the vaccination has, uh, you know, come to be? Like, do you feel like people are more divided? Do you feel like you are attacked for your personal decision? Talk to us about that. Um, yeah, I think that there's a huge division between like those that choose to be vaccinated and those who don't. I mean, there are the few that are, I guess, gracious about it. Like they understand, like I make my decision, you make yours, we're allowed that right or whatever. But the vast majority is not like that. I honestly don't even like to tell people that I haven't been vaccinated because of like the things that I've heard them say, like I heard another nurse once say, she actually said it to me. She didn't know I was unvaccinated, but we were just talking about, you know, like COVID and everything. And she was like, well, the people who are coming in super sick dying because they're unvaccinated deserve it. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, glad to know that's how you feel. <laughs> glad Good I didn't Lord. tell you anything. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, I'll just hear them kind of bad mouthing and saying how it's all the unvaccinated people's fault and um, just things like that. When, like I said, it's obviously been shown, it's been proven, there's the science to back it up that vaccinated people can and do still catch and still spread COVID. Um, I've been working in the monoclonal antibody clinic for COVID patients. Um, and we like do the uh, monoclonal infusion on COVID patients that are like, deemed severe cases. Mm -hmm. um, and I see vaccinated people just as much as I see unvaccinated people. So it, yeah, it just, yeah. People, I think, are just blind to it because they just want to see what they want to see. They want to hear what they want to hear. They want it to follow their narrative. Right. And I wanted to ask you this as well, because this is something that people are just not allowed to talk about. It's not being reported on. But we saw the introduction of the vaccine and we're seeing so many reports of heart-related issues, an uptick in heart diseases, uh, an uptick in people being hospitalized for myocarditis, pericarditis. As a nurse who's actually working in these hospitals, have you seen an uptick in heart-related issues since the introduction of the jab? So I don't work as often with like COVID patients. Occasionally I do, you know, that monoclonal antibody clinic. So I can't say like for sure, but personally I do know a physician who had a child who got the vaccine and that child, a young adolescent, no older than 18 years old, now has heart problems. Never had any pre-existing conditions, never had any heart issues before, and he now has heart issues that he is living with. Um, during the clinic that I worked, I also um, spoke to a woman who used to be a healthcare worker herself, and she was a respiratory therapist and she said after she got her vaccine, she has never been sicker in her life. Like she's been chronically sick for the past 10 months. She had to quit her job. She can't take care of herself anymore. She can't even drive, you know, like herself. Like she had to have a family member drive her to the clinic that day. Mm -hmm. um, and she straight up told me that she wished she was dead. Like she wished that she never would have taken the vaccine, that it absolutely ruined her life and absolutely ruined her health. And like, she just, 
is miserable every single day that she wakes up. Oh my goodness. And I, I mean, again, too, like as a nurse, like how do you feel about the media's representation of the hospitals being overwhelmed, of the unvaccinated overwhelming hospitals, of the unvaccinated being the problem in society? Uh, as a nurse, what are your thoughts on the way the media has been covering this? I feel like it's been kind of flipped. Like, yeah, absolutely. There's COVID. COVID is real. COVID is a thing. Patients are coming in because they're having, you know, COVID related symptoms. But I, in my opinion, and in multiple other nurses that I've spoken to opinions, um, if we never knew what COVID was, like say back in 2019, when we first heard about it in Wuhan, China, if we never heard new virus, coronavirus has taken the world by storm, I think that our lives would still be normal. I think people would still continue taking the precautions they did when it was like flu and RSV season. People would just know like, hey, if I'm sick, stay home, take care of myself. If it gets to the point that I need hospitalization, then do that. Um, But like now people feel the need to just go into the hospital for whatever reason. And I think a big part of it is that the media has absolutely terrified them and makes them feel like that's their only option is go in or you're going to die, basically. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of uh, doctors have been talking to about early treatments and how you know, hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin could potentially be used to keep people from being hospitalized. Are you hearing any of those discussions or are doctors at your hospital looking into those types of preventative treatments? From what I've heard, no. Like people that I have spoken to and doctors that I've heard, even just like nurse practitioners, it's like taboo for them to talk about it. Like the moment that somebody brings it up, they're like, well, there's no credible studies. Nothing's been proven. It's not real. So I mean, yeah, people don't even try to talk about it, quite honestly. Wow. So no early preventative treatment. It's just hospitalization or bust, basically. That and then, I mean, they recommend the monoclonal antibodies. So that's like the thing with that is there's like all this criteria that you have to meet. So they're pushing that really hard for people. Um, There's like a couple of antivirals, I guess, that have come out that they're also like pushing for people to take. But Other than that, no, like all the other things you hear of like the ivermectin and everything else, it's just like, "Eh, nope, sorry, not going to talk about it. It's not, it's it's not going through the proper, um, I want to say FDA, but they talk about the vaccine and that didn't even go through the FDA before people were like so gung-ho about taking it, so... Right. So as a nurse then, and we'll wrap up with this, uh, as a nurse, what would you suggest people do? I mean, uh, you know, in regards to maybe not being so fearful about what the media is saying about early treatments or, you know, even not believing the statistics that were being fed about the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. As a nurse yourself, what would you suggest people do to keep their sanity and keep their health in the modern day? So what I would say is before COVID, do what you were doing. Be clean. Wash your hands. Um, like take the proper precautions that you should. If you know you're sick, stay home. Like even if it's not COVID, take that time off. And if you are somebody that's like, um, uh, like has a lower immune system or you have like pre-existing conditions and you feel like you need a mask, do it wear one. If you don't, whatever, as long as you are taking those steps to make sure that you're keeping yourself and others safe, do it, whatever. 
do what you need to do, eat healthy, exercise. I mean, like, I feel like people completely forget that we have things like that. And Mm -hmm. exercising and eating healthy alone are so good for your immune system and so good for your health. And that could be the difference between getting COVID and just being home for a couple of days to keep the rest of your family safe or getting COVID and being told that you need to be hospitalized because you are like at the point of no return. 100%. I was uh, reading an article today and it was basically like lunch woman gets COVID and wants you to see her experience. So you get vaccinated and then like 10 paragraphs down, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, she was diabetic. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, You know, that would have been nice to know. Yeah, exactly. And see, that's the thing too, like people that have the pre-existing conditions, it's going to have a bigger effect on diabetic people's immune system compared to somebody that is a non-diabetic with no other comorbidities. Of course, it's going to affect them a lot worse. You know what I mean? Like there Mm -hmm. are so many factors that play into it. So just keep yourself safe, keep others safe. Just be a clean person. Don't go sneeze on people. Don't freaking cough on people. Like just be courteous, just like we would with the flu, which FYI still exists. People pretend it doesn't. Everything is (laughs) automatically COVID. No, COVID is not the only thing that exists, you guys. Like, let's be real here. I just hope to see everything get back to a point where we are living normally once again and people are using their brains and just doing what they should be, you know. 100%. Well, thank you so much, Nurse S, for coming on and talking with us today about what's really going on because it seems like every day gets more and more confusing with the way the media is shifting our narrative regarding what's going on. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on today and, um, you know, come on again anytime if you want to talk to us more about anything that's going on in the hospital. Industry. Yeah, absolutely. I was happy to be here. I mean, I'm so happy to be able to like talk about this sh- stuff, excuse me, and like kind of share my experience with everyone. Because like you said, I feel like the media is really just flipping its narrative on things and making everything seem like a lot worse than it truly is like truly. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us today. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Of course. Thanks. Sab. We'll see you later. Bye. All right, y'all. So that was my good friend, Nurse S, who is currently working at a hospital in New Mexico. And there you guys go. You're hearing it from a nurse directly on the front lines. Somebody who was once hailed as a hero, now not even able to make her own medical decisions because of SCOTUS not standing up for all of the rights of every single American. I talked about this on our last show about how one of our strongest positions that we held was no vaccine mandates for anybody, not just some people in society, for everybody, healthcare workers included. So we still definitely need to make a push in regards to that. And um, again, too, guys, please share this show because it's very important that we're hearing and we're elevating the voices of the nurses who are willing to expose the truth about what is going on. Now, another thing that we talked about last show was this email from a school in Austin, Texas. And we're going to read this email and then we're going to bring on um, one of the guardians of uh, the child who experienced this nonsense because for some reason, two years into COVID, we are still subjecting our children to these COVID policies. So let me reread through this email for you guys, for the podcast listener listeners, and then we'll bring on uh, the guardian who 
posted this initially. So the email reads, I'm sending this email to let you know that blank is not consistently wearing his mask properly during math class. I have reminded him on several days and several times during one class period, as was the case today. Please discuss with him how important it is for him to keep his mask over his face at all times. So this is a middle school teacher. And she's saying that apparently students, if they need a sip of water, must step outside on the porch to sip their water and then put the mask back on before entering the classroom. Again, she goes on to talk about how contagious this new variant is and then threatens to send this child to the nurse for a consultation on proper mask wearing and safety. And if it continues, he'll be sent to the office and uh, picked up from school. So to talk about this, I have uh, my friend, Zach Moore. Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, this is your girlfriend's son. So, um, you know, you are, you're a part of this child's life. You posted this email. Talk to us about what your son has been experiencing at schools here in Texas with all of this COVID nonsense? I mean, we should probably preface all this by saying that the schools simply defied Governor Abbott's order. Uh, he mm -hmm. had an order and four days before the school year started. Uh, we kind of thought all of this might be behind us because we might have been protected. But as we know, when the rules favor that side of the aisle, they follow the rules. When the rules don't favor their side of the aisle, they just simply don't follow the rules, which is how they've always behaved, which has been at least one of the good things about this event, this COVID event, is that we've gotten to see people go to French Laundry. We've gotten to see the various AOC in Florida. We've gotten to see it all. So, um, and that's probably one of the reasons why we're still dealing with is because you can't just go back to pretending you were the person you were before this event happened. Um, the only way you can keep going is keep going forward and continuing to harass people, continuing to behave in the manner that they've been behaving um, from leadership on down. and. Um, it's kind of why we're probably still in this situation because you can't go back from what's happened the last two years, really. 100%. And again, like as a guardian and as somebody who is a part of this middle schooler's life, like uh, how have you seen these COVID policies directly impact uh, this child? Um, well, he's, he's pretty, uh, we, we've, we've done a pretty good job with him. Uh, he, he knows it's dumb. Um, he doesn't let it affect him as, as to whatever extent you can you can not let this affect you mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. The kids are still in these schools. Um, we're really doing what we can to get them out at some point. But again, we didn't think this was going to continue. And mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to find different solutions. But for now, we're stuck fighting this. And, um, you know, they have other activities outside of school. But one of the things is, like, these kids haven't seen a smile in school for two years. And we're mm -hmm. pretending that that has no um, kind of consequence. That's the, 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 the cult of the science, um, continues to act like their solutions that they're proposing have no negative outcomes or no negative consequences. And it's, um, it's just silly behavior. Um, if it wasn't so potentially detrimental to the people that are involved in having to experience that behavior. Right. And you talked about the kids not having seen a smile in almost two years at this point. There was what, an entire year basically during 2020 where we kept kids out of school. You were talking about how your girlfriend is a social worker. She's also working as a therapist with children right now. Uh, can you talk to us about maybe the depression rates or anxiety rates that have uptick in children? Like how has this really affected them? Um, all the things that people like ourselves have been saying about the ne negative side effects, she's been on the quote unquote front lines of dealing with the mental health side. I was just listening to you with Nurse X. Um, we know the things that are going on. Uh, we know the, the blocking of monoclonal antibodies, things of that nature. 
um, it's clear that the people who are in charge don't care about these kinds of things, increased suicide, drug overdoses, reliance on screens, um, just all of that, uh, you know, that is increasing, you know, she was in an environment, she's been in two different environments during this time, one Mm -hmm. of them a little bit more acute than the other, but, um, but in both environments, um, she's been seeing the consequences of, of, of these, these outcomes. People are isolated people. Uh, I'm thankful to be a part of the community that I'm a part of, and I'm, I'm involved with a lot of people. I've, uh, life's been pretty normal for me since May of 20, uh, 2020. Um, but for a lot of people, uh, you know, maybe it has been relatively normal for you too. Uh, but one thing I try to be a little bit more empathetic about is that for a lot of people, uh, they exist in environments where they don't have necessarily the freedom that we have to either express themselves and expressing themselves might be as little as not wearing a mask. And um, the reality of kind of the beat down that, that you kind of can see over time of just the con- constant demoralization of covering your face. Just, I mean, just think about just the constant demoral- demoralization, the cancel culture entering the real world. Um, that's what vaccine mandates are about. Um, cancel cultures enter the real world. Now, right. if, if you're potentially the kind of person who might dissent, I mean, that's kind of what the, the whole military uh, deal is about is let's get everyone out who might say no to this. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's what that's what these kind of industries are. I mean, that's what cancel culture is online. It's like if you're a part of media, people are people who have essentially no talent are oftentimes who say the same thing that everyone else says gets offended when you say something that's intelligent but outside of their of their very narrow uh, domain of things that they they believe people are allowed to say. Um, it's kind of just real world cancel culture. Um, and, and, you know, I, none of this is based in science and, and it has grave consequences on a wide variety of levels. 100%. And when you got this email, what was your reaction to it? And, uh, you know, talk to us too, a little bit about more of the emotional side of what you've been experiencing as a parent, watching your child go through this. It's super frustrating because it feels like they're using the kids as a political tool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do think I said this. I said this to someone, uh, one of the people at the school, like early October last year, I'm like, our kids aren't, aren't for your politics. Um, and it, it, part of the thing about the mask is the mask tells you the things still going on. It tells you COVID still going on. And so I sent you some stuff about the financial aspects of this. I, I don't know if there's a financial motive. I don't know if it's a political motive. Um, each public school in the country got $1.23 billion to, um, to deal with COVID. Mm-hmm. And I question how they spent that money if the best solution is still cloth masks, which we know don't work. Um, so I don't know if it's a financial motive, but it does feel like they're using uh, the kids as politics. So that's frustrating. It's also frustrating that uh, it goes along with the lines of, you know, this, this kind of general behavior. We saw something out of California that they want to like basically de-parent people because that, that in- inherently has uh inherent advantages to it, parenthood and family advantages, which is why certain people have been trying to destroy the family for 50 years, 60 years, Mm -hmm. however long this has been going on. I don't know. Um, To the best of my knowledge, 60 years. Right. Um, But they're telling the parents that they don't have a right to decide to cover their kid's face or not. Right. Um, They make the kids feel weird. If they don't, they make, uh, it's, it's the people who pretend to be against bullying. Like it's a it's a form of bullying for sure. 
For sure. 100 percent. And I worry, too, about the next generation because we're going to have an entire subset of children who think that wearing masks is a normal thing. For example, I never knew that taking your shoes off at airports was a weird thing because ever since I was a little kid, the Patriot Act has been enacted. Uh, that has just been a normal a normalcy for me for my entire life. So this next generation of kids is going to grow up thinking, oh, well, face masks are normal. And if you don't wear one, then you are selfish and they're going to start viewing their freedoms as selfish. And yeah. And, you know, that's how we continue to see the deterioration of our country. So, um, you know, it's so sad to see that your child is going through this. Um, you live in Texas. You live in a red state. We wouldn't expect this to happen here. What are your thoughts on this type of liberalism, this type of indoctrination coming into Texas? And also you were talking to me, too, about Pride Month and some of the things that you are, your child has been experiencing with that uh, or your girlfriend's son has been experiencing with that. Can you kind of delve into that a little bit too? Yeah, and I think on the point you were saying too is that they're making kids take part in the lie. And Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, don't take part in lies, right? That's, that's, the, that's the one thing that you have control over, your ability to take part in a lie or not take part in a lie. And they're forcing you to take part in their lie, in the mm-hmm. lie that this COVID is a certain thing when we've seen across the country schools have opened without without real consequence. Um, the CDC director just got called out on TV for fear mongering and there's something like 3,500 kids in the hospital. So, right. I mean, this is a constant political thing, right? Like, and it's not just one lie. It's all the lies, right? Like, it's like, we've got, we've got a elementary school has gay pride week. The elementary mm-hmm. schools of Austin have gay pride week. They don't even know what straight sex is yet. They, right. they, haven't, had, they haven't had uh sex ed yet. They don't. So they have gay pride week. They're sent home with pronoun pins. Um, these aren't the kinds of things that you put on seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. Um, mm-hmm. And at minimum, as a taxpayer, you shouldn't be forced like to for your dollars to go someplace where people are going to try to convince your kid to do some of, the, objectively speaking, something that um, is a very, very, you know, the end result of that line of thinking is is a really large decision. Right. Um, as a man, I could think I could say that uh, the end result of this would be a very large decision for me. And I can't believe we even have this kind of conversation in school. Uh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, the introduction of these pronouns to these young kids, because of course, a child's mind is very malleable. They are at the point in their life where they can be easily taught things or indoctrinated, if you will. So uh, very sad to hear that this is going on in uh, Austin. And I saw this tweet as well. We'll pull it up really quickly because, uh, you know, on top of your email, we also, this is from uh, April of 2021, but apparently this woman's child got sent to Zoom detention for not paying attention in Zoom fourth grade. And then the email said that there was a link to access the room to serve detention. So this was, you know, in the middle of last year, but we're going into the third year of this. And for some reason, children are still being targeted. I know in some schools uh, on the East Coast, they even had kids outside in cold snowstorms because they were worried about their health and safety. So a uh, uh, final question for you here today is uh, where do you think this ultimately leads to? And uh, yeah, like, talk to us about your thoughts on the state of Texas in the future. Well, I mean, we got most teachers unions are essentially they donate 99 percent of their money to Democrats. Um, that's the real issue isn't uh, where you are or where people like it, the issue is that all, most of these industries and that's part of this cancel culture and part of the silencing of people. At some point early in, in the event, as I refer to it, like at some point early on, I was like, oh, like almost everyone's being silent because they know the consequences. You will lose your job. Mm-hmm. So that creates a scenario where everyone thinks everyone goes along with this. 
and I'm relatively insulated, thankfully, uh, because of the things that I do for a living. Um, and so I'm thankfully in a position to, to speak candidly and openly about this. Um, you know, and the end result really is that, you know, we're seeing it in colleges, like you can't go to college. You can't go to college and I'm college X, college Y, if you don't have the thing, you know, and, and we've got these school wide district wide emails that push the thing as the only solution when it might harm kids statistically more than the actual virus would itself. Right. Right. So the other thing we talked about too, is that unvaccinated kids are forced to quarantine for five days. If they're exposed to someone who has COVID, we don't know if the person who had COVID is vaccinated or not. That's Mm -hmm. besides that point either, but it's just seems like a way for people. And and one of the things at some point clicked in my head, these people are like kind of pushing their own personal problems onto the kids, right? Like that's what that email, that's what I felt like is like, oh, this person had like real issues. Like for you to send this email, like how are we still doing this? Like, you know. And for you to tell a child that they can't drink water unless they go outside, I don't understand that line of thinking at all. It's odd, but here's the other thing is that it feels like the unvaccinated part of this, the kids needing to quarantine is a way to A, put more pressure on people to to do that, Mm -hmm. to do it. And then also, and to create a rift between the parent and the kid too. The kid's like, oh, this is so annoying. Why can't I just do it? Johnny has it. Billy has it. Whoever, right? Um, and they put some pressure on the parent and, and the kid. And that's one of the other things about all this COVID stuff is essentially, it's just created a bunch of barriers between people within families mm-hmm. because there's just, there's people who are looking at it like, being a little bit more cold and analytical and objective about it. And people who for whatever reason have gotten caught up in it or right for whatever reason, for whatever reason. Right. And so um, it feels like that, that last little piece I told you, the unvaccinated kids needed quarantine. It feels like it's a way for, and when I said about the personal problems, it's like, I think we downplay how traumatized certain people were by the last, by the four Trump years Mm-hmm. is that they were constantly bombarded with propaganda. And to some extent, I feel like they may look at people who support Trump or people who are unvaccinated as like, this person did that to me. They believed those things, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you were at uh, January 6th, and, and we also talked about uh, you know some of the things that the kids are forced to do in art class, BLM posters, things of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're talking about January 6th happened every day of that summer. Summer of 2020, January, there was a January 6th from May 29th through September 22nd or whenever it became unpopular in the polls when they finally started saying something about it, right? And so um, I think we down we downplay the amount of anger and the amount of frustration and fear and trauma they've experienced essentially at the hands of a media who sold them lie after lie after lie. Right. That manipulated them and Russiagate. I mean, the Mm -hmm. entire reason that and people say that the 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 election wasn't this or that. Right. Russiagate won. They won the 2018 midterms because of of something that was made up. It just goes on and on and on. Right. 2020, the Hunter Biden laptop, all these sorts of things. Right. Like it's just this this whole thing is moving in a direction and, and has these people worked up. And I think that that's part of what's getting a lot of people caught up in it. 100% Zach well thank you again for coming on and talking with us you know about your experience in 
<laughs> just, you know, your thoughts as well on politics well, in the modern day and where we're currently at. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, thank you for exposing the realities of what these kids are living through here in Texas. So thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Of course, of course. All right, y'all. That was my good friend, Zach Moore, who again is a parent in, or he, his girlfriend's son is attending a school in Austin, Texas, a middle school. And that is what the kids are being subjected to. I was thinking about this the other day because I was walking along one of my favorite trails in Austin, Texas, and there were homeless encampments every hundred feet. There's five or six that I passed. It was absolutely insane. And I realized that we really need to keep our eyes on Texas because we are very quickly turning into a blue state. We're very quickly turning into the next California because all of the liberals are fleeing LA. They're coming to Austin because it's the new Silicon Valley. All of the tech companies are moving over here, but they're bringing all of their bad policies along with them. And now we're seeing the indoctrination of our children via these liberal teachers. We're seeing homeless encampments prop up. We're seeing a rise in crime rates. Keep your eye on Texas. Now let's go ahead and run through some news regarding the war on the unvaccinated that is currently going on. Special thanks to my two guests who came on today to really fight back and push back against the corrupt U.S. government and all of this complete nonsense that we're all living through. Let's talk about the war on the unvaccinated, though, that everybody is still living through for some reason. Starting off with Novak Djokovic, who has since been deported from Australia. Novak Djokovic arrives back in Belgrade after deportation from Australia. This came out today. So he arrived back in Serbia's capital after his deportation from Australia ended the number one in the world's tennis player's hope of playing in the Australian Open. So remember that this is an athlete who is one of the best in his field, the best in tennis. And instead of, you know, getting a fake vaccine passport or just getting the vaccination at all so that way he could continue to play, he stood his ground, he stuck to his morals, but what ended up happening, he went to Australia, he was detained in a flea-ridden hotel room because that's what it was, he was detained. They threatened to deport him despite the fact that he had previously just gotten COVID and had natural immunity, and then he ultimately got deported. So there's an example, number one, of how the unvaccinated are being treated like second-class citizens. Let's keep going. From Occupy Democrats' official Twitter account, breaking news, Nike sends a defiant letter to its remaining unvaccinated employees that they will be fired by January 15th if they fail to get vaccinated against COVID. Republicans attacked Nike's mandate, but the company held its ground. Retweet to thank Nike for standing strong. So I absolutely think it's hilarious to see Occupy Democrats, who is supposed to be this liberal group, they're a grassroots political organization that supports progressive Democrats. It's always the most progressive among us politically who are legitimate fascists because that's what this is. They don't want people to have their own medical choice. They don't want people to have their own freedoms. So they're getting other people to think Nike for taking away the constitutional rights and freedoms of their employees. And that is who the liberal left absolutely is. But it gets even worse because our own media, who we're not surprised about, but again, we're seeing this every single week, 
Sudovich points out the full editorial board of a major U.S. newspaper advocated for a declaration of martial law to be used to keep anyone who doesn't present his or her vaccination papers under house arrest by military forces. This comes from the Salt Lake Tribune, and it says, Were Utah a truly civilized place, the governor's next move would be to find a way to mandate the kind of mass vaccination campaign we should have launched a year ago, going as far as to deploy the National Guard to ensure that people without proof of vaccination would not be allowed well anywhere. So that is what the media is writing, that the full force of the military, the federal government, the National Guard should be deployed on citizens who are unvaccinated, despite the fact, like we just heard from Nurse S, who is an actual nurse in a hospital, she is still seeing the same amount of COVID patients that are vaccinated as are unvaccinated. So that is what our media is currently advocating for. From CARE 11, new COVID restrictions issued to indoor dining in Minneapolis. Starting January 19th, businesses that serve food and beverages indoors will require patrons to show a vaccination card or a negative COVID test before they enter. And this is required for ages four and up. So if you are a four-year-old and you are in Minneapolis, you're with your parents, you just want to go to McDonald's and get some chicken nuggets, guess what? You're banned. Get out. You can't eat here. You're unclean. You're unvaccinated. Hawaii is going to be requiring travelers to have a COVID booster shot to be considered fully vaccinated. What did we say at the beginning of all of this that it wasn't going to stop with one shot? It wasn't going to stop with two. It wasn't going to stop with a booster, a second booster, or a third booster. And now here we are. Hawaii is going to be requiring travelers to have a COVID booster shot to be considered fully vaccinated. And then we have to ask the question, when does that stop? When Is somebody truly considered fully vaccinated because we continue to see that definition changed every single week as more and more boosters are created? Also remember that Pfizer CEO came out and said, oh, by the way, we're making a completely separate vaccination for the Omicron variant because it's very scary. So if that vaccine comes out and then a new COVID variant drops up, drops are you not going to be considered fully vaccinated because you don't have the vaccine for that variant and the next variant and the next variant? Probably. Let's keep going. From Bloomberg, Austria to start fines for unvaccinated in March. People rejecting shots face fines as high as 3,600 euros. Chancellor plots details of policies seem difficult to implement. So that's what's currently going on in Austria. Greece is following suit as well. Older people may now face monthly fines. I couldn't remember if we had reported on Greece already. I don't think we did, though. This story just dropped today. And I was like, okay, so which was the other country? Which was the other place that was also imposing fines on the unvaccinated? It was Canada. So we have several countries now fully waging war on the unvaccinated, saying if you do not want to take a jab that is not going to stop you from catching or spreading COVID, we are going to fine you for that decision. So Greece, Austria, Canada, all following suit. Australia, just complete tyranny, complete authoritarianism. We saw that with Djokovic. They they detained the man. They deported him. Absolutely ridiculous. Australian citizens not even allowed to leave, not even able to see family members who are in other countries because they're stuck in their authoritarian regime. There have been videos that have come out from New Zealand where people are making TikToks about how excited they are because they got a blue band, meaning they can go outside for 30 minutes of government sanctioned playtime outside in the fresh air. That's where we're at as a society. That is where we're at.
And speaking of Canada, apparently there's a search on for an anti-vax dad accused of hiding his seven-year-old daughter to keep her from being vaccinated. This is the modern day. This is what the left advocates for. It is a true on war against the unvaccinated, and I will define it as that because that's what this is. People are being tracked down for their medical decisions. People are being forced to take an ineffective product. Nothing makes sense in society anymore. You have nurses who can't even come out and talk about the truth. You have the media members like myself who are willing to tell the truth censored off the face of the earth for talking about myocarditis and pericarditis that are affiliated with this treatment that Dr. Fauci praises as the second coming of, I don't know, the freaking afterlife. It's absolutely insane to me. This is the modern day. The Daily Beast came out with this headline today. Unvaccinated lunch lady wants you to see her COVID death spiral. The 56-year-old mom spent weeks on a ventilator and was thought to be at death's door. She wants everyone to see what it's like to be on the brink so they can avoid it. Now, we're not going to read this whole article, but I already did. And guess what? 10 paragraphs down. Apparently, this unvaccinated lunch lady was diabetic. By the way, did these doctors consider any early treatment or, you know, Anything like that before this woman was put on a ventilator in this story doesn't seem to be so. Michelle on Twitter writes, prior to my jab, my husband and I only needed the doctor for routine stuff. I had an ovarian cyst once and a miscarriage. That's it. Post jab, we've been in and out of the doctors, urgent cares and ERs. We're both healthy and now we can barely live our lives. Some think I'm lying. I wish I was. She goes on to say, leaving the hospital with absolutely no answers and told to follow up with a cardiologist again. This is the third medical professional that has told me it's probably the jab. I wish these people would speak up because so many of us are suffering with no answers and why is it that I have to go to Twitter and go read tweets about this happening instead of the media reporting that this is going on? For example, at the Australian Open, one of the um, ball fetchers, I don't know what they're called. There's usually like a young boy or young girl who will go and like catch the tennis balls during the match. There was a young girl who collapsed today at the Australian Open. Keep in mind that everybody at that event required to be fully vaccinated. Now, I'm not saying that these two things are correlated. All I'm saying is that for some very strange reason, at many different sporting events, people, athletes specifically, the healthiest among us, seem to be collapsing at a rapid rate, but nobody wants to cover it. Now, this was a very interesting tweet thread that I found from Amy is rightfully pissed off. She's a little communist, as you can see, the hammer and sickle in her Twitter name there. So this is a left-wing liberal communist woman, and everybody in her replies are of the same political leaning. Let's read a little bit about how people have been living post-jab. So she says, I'm fully vaxxed and boosted as of three months ago. No positive COVID test, but may have had it. Having heart palpitations the past six weeks, and it's getting worse. Now happening six to eight hours total per day, and sometimes it's hard to breathe. Anyone else experiencing anything similar? And then if you go through this entire thread, I picked out 10 of the replies just off of the top of this thread because there's hundreds of replies here you can read. I personally know four people who've had a heart issues after the jab. I know two people who had died post-vaccination. And then it goes on and on and on of all of these people talking about their adverse effects. Um, I've had severe shortness of breath. I experienced something similar a couple months ago after my second shot back in April. I started to feel better, uh, but then I got sick afterwards. It goes on and on and on. This is what people are currently experiencing. But if we talk about it, we get silenced. It's 
a disgusting miscarriage of justice what is happening to the American people today. Because that's exactly what this is. We are being lied to every single day. We are being silenced. And I oftentimes speak out against China because they're authoritarian, because they're communist, because, you know, even if you want to look at North Korea, it's a dictatorship. They have propaganda spewing out of that country. Look at America. Look at what we're currently living through today. Now, obviously, the state of America, not as comparable to China or even North Korea. But let's look at China. Everything that we've been criticizing China about, look what's going on here in America today. If you criticize your government, if you go to the Capitol on January 6th and you're on the wrong side of the political board, you get taken politically prisoner. You get silenced. You get disappeared by your government. You say the wrong thing as a doctor, like Dr. Peter McCullough or Dr. Robert Malone, you get your entire career discredited. You get smeared and, and slandered by the media, which is essentially just a mouthpiece for the government at this point. All they do is spread propaganda on behalf of whoever is in power, unless it's, you know, somebody on the right, then it's the propaganda being used to attack said person. That is what we're currently living through. Now, last show, we read that Rolling Stone headline that read that 270 doctors were speaking out against Joe Rogan because he was spreading so much misinformation and he needed to be stopped. Well, Dr. Peter McCullough says 16,000 plus physicians challenged the 300 who currently accuse Joe Rogan. Also, people decided to do a little bit of research into who these 300 doctors who were crying about Joe Rogan were. And as you guys can see here by this image, they're not even real doctors. They're directors of researchers. They're physician assistants. One's a dentist. There is a professor here, an epidemiological researcher. An analytical scientist. One of my favorite ones was Cole Cratton, a cannabis farmer with a high school diploma who was originally on the medical experts list, but he's since been ghost edited and removed from that list. But this was his Twitter account. Cole the science dude, he, him, pronouns in bio, cannabis scientists. So these are the doctors. These are the officials who are speaking out against Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan is spreading medical misinformation. You're a cannabis scientist, sir. These people are researchers. Are you freaking kidding me? And again, just to further reiterate, because I love to do this every single show, how absolutely batshit everything is, pardon my French, from Time Magazine this weekend, why you shouldn't exercise to lose weight. Now, in this article, because I did read it, it talks about how you shouldn't put a goal weight in mind because if you can't reach that goal weight, it can really just demoralize you and make you lose motivation against losing weight. So maybe you, you know, restructure the way that you look at exercise as a way to make you feel better, as a way to make you feel more mentally sharp or physically strong. So that's what this article is talking about. But you know what they failed to highlight in this article? They failed to highlight diet. They failed to highlight personal choice because in there here, they're like, oh, well, like, I mean, you don't have to exercise, but if you want to exercise to lose weight, like just really, you know, fix your mindset around it. But they refuse to even look at how you can also lose weight via a better diet, via, you know, just going outside for a walk every day. They actually demonize going outside and walking every day because they're like, you might not lose weight fast enough. And if you don't, you might get discouraged. So, oh, well, 
this is our media. They're not pushing health. They're not pushing fitness. They're not pushing a good diet. They are pushing you to continue to eat the bad foods that are keeping you sick and keeping you dependent on big pharma medications. So that is the show that I have for you guys tonight. We didn't get so much into the news side of things because there is a lot going on regarding upticks in crime all across the country. We'll be getting into that on Wednesday's episode. We'll also be talking about Glenn Youngkin. He passed 11 executive orders now that he is officially the governor of Virginia. He's done a great job basically coming in and saying, yeah, we're banning critical race theory. We're getting rid of the mask mandates. So he's laying down the law there in Virginia. We also had... Um, Kristen Cinema coming in and stopping Joe Biden's voter reform legislation nonsense, blah, blah, blah. I think it's absolutely hilarious because for some reason, voting rights are under attack in this country, but I physically never in my entire life see anybody stopped from voting or have seen any obstruction to somebody voting before. But this is the forefront of issues for the Biden administration. This is what we all need to be focusing in on. Not the destroyed economy, not the supply chain, not the COVID response and how everyone is still living through this complete nonsense going into year three. None of that. Highest inflation rates we've ever seen. Border wide open. Huge uptick in crime across the country. Media propaganda off the charts. We don't need to focus in on any of that. All we need to focus in on is the propaganda, the BS, the lies that are constantly being pushed in our face every single day. So anyways, that's all I've got for you guys tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Rapid Fire. If you like the show, please remember to go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We are trying to grow the numbers of podcast listeners, so go check it out. Or go and subscribe on Rumble or Odyssey. I'm trying to grow our Rumble channel. Many of you guys have told me that you prefer Rumble over Odyssey because the buffer time for the videos is less. So we'll do this. Rumble will have every single one of my videos moving forward. But Odyssey is going to have all of my old archives, all of my old videos, uh, many of my reports that you may have never seen before. So Odyssey and my website is where you can find my old footage, my old reports, my old news. Rumble from this point forward is where you can find the new stuff. Please go subscribe to Rumble. Let's keep that community growing. I would love to be at 10,000 subscribers on Rumble by the end of the year. So please help me reach the goal. Thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode. My name is Savannah Hernandez.